gotta have gut hope. It's gotta get better. It's gonna get better. You've got this. This is the Gut Hope Podcast. Gotta have gut hope. Gut hope. Hope. Inspiration. And healing. It can happen. Hello, this is Steve Collings with the Gut Hope Podcast. I'm joined by my son, Brett, who, if you were listening to the last podcast, you got to know him a little bit better, a little bit about his history, and in the last podcast, we went up to where he was diagnosed. And today, today's podcast, um, we're going to be talking about, more about the medications that you took after you were diagnosed, what kind of things the doctors tried, what worked, what didn't work. Kind of get everyone a feel for what that was like. And uh, we're joined by my son, Brett. If you want to say hello. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Great. How are you doing today? I'm doing good still. Awesome. Um, as we ended the last podcast, we were talking about how he was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And one of the first things they did was put you on prednisone, which is a steroid. And started you out at 30 milligrams. And something that we've done uh, with Brett that's interesting, I think, to help him track his um, medication, how much he's supposed to take, is we put a lot of stuff on a calendar, right? Yep. And prednisone is sort of a tricky thing because it, it uh, tapers down. It starts up at a higher level. And then it goes down, so you may start at 30 milligrams and go down to 25 and then go to 20 or whatever your doctor tells you to do, but it tapers down. And that's an important thing to remember what's happening with Brett because they're going to put him on these prednisone tapers multiple times throughout the next couple of years. And it's sort of a blessing and a curse for him um, both ways. But anyway, we started him out, and we, we calendared a lot of this so that we could keep track of what meds he was taking and what what meds weren't working. And we started off with um, mesalamine and prednisone. Do you remember taking mesalamine? Um, yeah. Yeah. They look like these red pills that yeah. I had to take that helped stop with the flare-ups. Yeah. But then... Like about a year ago, it just stopped working for me. That's I'm not right. Not sure why. Yeah. So if you recall, Brett was diagnosed in 2019, and then so the mesalamine started working um, immediately. I would say because as soon as we put you on prednisone and mesalamine, you were good for a year and a couple months. Which was really good, right? Yeah. And um, we were just clueless at the time as parents, honestly. We just said, well, okay, this is what he's going to have to take for the rest of his life. It looks like mesalamine's working. 
that's great. And if you have dealt with this, uh, you probably are going to have a familiar story because there's a point where things just stop working. And the doctors don't really know why or can explain very well why that happens. But it seems like they find something that works and they say, well, it's, now it's not. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> and so they said, look, you know, Brett's probably going to have some problems later on. And they warned us about flare-ups. You remember that? And they were saying, yeah. keep an eye out. And we were just so blessed. We were like, well, over years gone by, everything's okay. But in uh, in the middle of May of 2020, um, you may want to pull up a calendar and follow along as we talk about all of this, but uh, it would make more sense if you were looking at, at a calendar. Anyway, uh, May of 13th of 2020 is when Brett first had his flare-up and had to go back and see the doctor and we just thought, well, this is no big deal. You know, we'll put him on a prednisone. Well, we didn't know what they would do. The doctor put you on prednisone, another 30 milligrams for a week, see if see how you're doing. And this time, um, after being just a one-week taper, they said, well, this that didn't do the trick. And we were back in the doctor's office again. And they said, okay, we're going to put you on a longer taper and we increase this up to 40 milligrams. And at, the, at that time, they decided that they also wa- wanted to take another look and see how things were doing. And so um, we get, got you scheduled for your second colonoscopy. Yeah, how was that for you, Brett? Do you remember going in for your second colonoscopy? Yeah, I was fine about that because right. I remember the first time doing colonoscopy and nothing bad happened. So I was pretty sure the doctors know what they're doing and I'm not too worried about it. That's good. Yeah, your anxiety level was down because you knew what was going to happen, right? You're more mm-hmm. familiar with it. Um, for people that are tracking this, uh, his taper was down to about 30 milligrams. Um, when they did the colonoscopy and they looked at it, things did not look good, you know, after being on it for, I don't know, a week or a week and a half of prednisone, it still looked really bad. And so they started on another taper of 40 milligrams. And Mm -hmm. this is kind of the routine that, that Brett has had to follow many, many times as going through this and, the good thing about prednisone is that it always seemed to bring it under control, at least remove the symptoms for Brett, right? Yeah. And so we like that part of it. The, the bad thing is we knew every time a taper would come down that um, he it was would... hard to get worse again. That's right. Every, almost, a, well, every time, right? Yeah. Every time that would happen. And so they they decided that the Humera just wasn't working anymore, and they tried mixing stuff, or not Humera, sorry. They decided that, uh, what's the, mesalamine wasn't working, yeah. and that they wanted to go to Humera and say, okay, let's try this. And they tried a bunch of combinations, so let's finally start trying to do Humera. And again, we said, well, what is that going to entail? And they said, look, you need to go get a shingle shot in preparation for Humera. Do you remember that? We yeah. had to go get a shingle shot. I wasn't too worried. 
It's no. the only way to protect myself from getting side effects. That's right. And and you might wonder, why would you need to give a kid shingle shots, a 20-year-old kid shingle shots? Well, so did our insurance company. And they just were like, what would you do that for? Um, it's only for people 55 and older or something like that. And so we had to get a doctor's note, special permission. Finally got him his shingle shot. I think we had to pay everything out of pocket, too. We... I don't think the insurance even wanted to touch that. It's all like because you're lowering somebody's autoimmune system so much that if they do get shingles, it could be really bad. Yeah. And so it was like a prophylactic type effort of saying, well, let's let's give you this shingle shot so that you don't have problems with a lowered immune system. Anyway, it's just one of the fun little hurdles that you had to go through. Yeah. You remember that? I've seen pictures with people with shingles, how it looks like a really bad rash, and yeah. that hurts pretty bad. It can be very painful. I don't want to know what it's like having shingles. That's right. No, I, did, sir. I didn't want you to either. I was uh, pretty nervous, and it, and it opened my eyes to the fact that, man, we're really dropping his immune system in order to deal with the ulcerative colitis that was one of the first things where it really it's like wow this is serious stuff that we're doing to your body right yeah um so from after since he was on prednisone there really weren't any problems between june and august and everything was going as expected and as his prednisone tapered down to five milligrams he was back into the doctor's office. Five milligrams, like really low level. Like you're almost off of it. And um, so he's back into the doctor's office and he, with a flare up and they put him back on a 60 milligram uh, or of prednisone and they also give him 160 milligrams of Humira. So this is when he starts doing the Humira. And it's hard to tell if Humira was doing any good or not, because almost the whole time he's on Humira, uh, he's also taking prednisone. You remember that? Yeah, where yeah. I where we tried using Humira since I had to do injections on my thigh. So yeah, how would it do? Well, yeah. What was it like taking Humira? That was the first time you had to do that. Um, it wasn't so bad because I've taken shots before since I know how to do it, read the instructions. Yeah. And so I was doing it the proper way, injecting the Humira into my body. Yeah. Doing like many times. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too hard to do. It wasn't that painful, right? Yeah. But we just weren't seeing any good positive things coming from it. No. Right? That was the... The funny thing was, I'm immune to Humira. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we decided, huh? Yeah. Like, Humira does, does not work on you. Um, by August 18th, his taper on on prednisone end, ended, and the 19th, he was okay. So, it ends the 18th. 19th, you were good, and by the 20th, you noticed blood in your stool again. So this is right before you get your second dose of Humira. So start out at 160, then you do 80. If any of you have been through this, there's like a ramp-up phase. You go with Humira, and then then it, you're supposed to take it less. And 
if you need more, then they give you more. <laughs> yeah. But basically, the Humera shots after that are set up so that you take it every two weeks. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but through all of that, there were lots of in and out of having flares and prednisone and Humera all at the same time. Brett, when we talk about having a flare, what, what does that feel like for you? What, what does a flare mean? It's like gas trapped in your intestines, how it's like really bad, so sore, all these ulcers around. Mm-hmm. It's like really painful that it almost gives me a hard time moving around. You can yeah. feel the cramping pain in your stomach. Yeah. And it makes well, you feel like you want to use the bathroom. Yeah, you feel like you have to go all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those are some good good explanation of what a flare feels like, huh? All those symptoms. I'm trying to think of what else. Like, uh, also very tired, right? Yeah. I noticed that as a parent. I, I see you, like, taking lots of naps. When you get home from work, you take a nap before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And that was usually a clear indication that you were going to start having a problem again. Yeah. Um, I, I remember you just saying it felt crampy also, right? Just, yeah. yeah. You see blood or mucus in your stool. It's just totally unpleasant. Yes, it is. <laughs> is it hard to work when you're having a flare? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember sometimes at work, See if I might do better if I keep feeling this pain, not feeling so good, then I have to ask my boss to go home, take it easy. Yeah. That's kind of embarrassing too, huh? Yeah. I have to quit on everybody and go home. I know you didn't like doing that. No. I know. That's flares are awful and they just once they started coming, they just kept coming and coming. Um just looking at his calendar, I see that uh, by the 26th, I think this is October, he, you got your second shingle shot and you were just continued to having a flare and you had just come off, uh, I was counting up these days here, 99 days of prednisone, so almost 100 days. Yes. <laughs> That's not good, man. Oh, man. I <laughs> so, agree. So <laughs> let's talk about prednisone a little bit. And one of our funny things we like to call prednisone, and as you get to know us, we've got all these funny names for meds and stuff, but we call prednisone, what do we call it? Medusa. <laughs> Medusa. Yeah. And we got that from one of the doctors, and he compared it to Medusa. Why did he say that, Brett? Well, it's because, you know, in Greek mythology, how Medusa started off as a beautiful woman, beautiful hair, beautiful face, all the men liked her. But then one day Athena grew jealous of Medusa and cast a terrible curse, turning her into a snake-haired monster. <laughs> right. And anyone who looks at her will be turned to stone. Right. So likewise with prednisone, you know, it starts off good. That starts to heal to your stomach. But then later on, it just comes back. It starts getting bad and crappy again. Yeah. Yeah, and the sad thing with prednisone is you don't really know what the long-term effects are that it will have on a person's body until much later, usually. All of a sudden, you have low bone density or you have cataracts or all these terrible... I mean, look it up on Google or something, but I don't even like to look at it because it's depressing. There's a lot of bad stuff that comes with prednisone, and the doctors don't like to give it out, right? Right. 
But in Brett's case, there just wasn't anything else that was working. And, and they were always just saying, well, let's give Humera a chance. Let's, let's give it some more time. Let's check these levels. Let's keep looking. And maybe when he comes off the prednisone, um, he'll be, he'll be okay. Because they are always trying to get him in a maintenance mode where, oh, let's just let the Humera do its job. And we don't need to let the, we don't need to have the prednisone in the picture anymore. And it's, it's, really a painful hard time at this point i remember this because there wasn't anything else we could do and we're like look brett's in all this pain and the doctor said okay we're gonna have to start giving you some hydrocodone which is not good right. <laughs> say it has its own consequences you remember what we called hydrocodone I forget. What did we call it? We, we just called that one Hydro. Hydro. <laughs> well, that's short. That's right. We just shortened everything. And Budesidine. Do you remember Budesidine? No. We just called it Bud. Bud. <laughs> so we would write all these on the calendar. Like I took uh, a hydrocodone in the evening and and he couldn't take those in the morning because um, he would have to go to work and stuff like that. And he didn't want that affecting him on the job. Um, he, he works at a recycling plant and he can't, he's got to have a clear mind while he's working and everything. And so the budesidine was supposed to help the Humera work better. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but if you are on Humera, you probably have also paired it with budesidine at some point. And we took one other pain reliever called diclofenic. Do you remember diclofenic? Diclofenic. Yeah. I'm not sure. We just called that one Dick. Dick, yeah. <laughs> And that was for the lesser pain, right? Like if you're yeah. just sort of hurting, you could take that and still go to work. And then through all of this, he's also taking mesalamine. So we, yeah. we never stopped taking mesalamine because that was the one thing that worked. But it was pretty clear like through all of this that mesalamine stopped working, that Humira wasn't, prednisone wasn't. And I don't really fault the doctors for trying really hard with these different ideas, but it was frustrating. How did you feel about all of that, Brent? Well, it seems pretty hard for me, all this pressure, taking all these different medicines. Yeah. Because sometimes if you're having a really serious condition, they you have to be responsible taking all different types of medicines, mm-hmm. which is pretty hard for me. Yeah. And I had to track it down on my calendar, know what I'm doing, what I'm taking. Yeah, you were pretty much in charge of all your own pills and meds, right? You you kept track of it, and and we would always say, have you done this? Have you done this? And you were always exactly right on target, right? Yeah. You always followed everything very strictly. I have to be responsible yeah. for my medicine. Yeah. The doctors love that about you. Because yeah. I think they were hoping, like, well, we can just get mad at Brett for not taking his meds. But what they found out is, no, like, Brett always takes his meds religiously, right? You're perfect about taking yeah. all this stuff. When this it, is serious. Yeah. So, like, even across the prednisone taper, which would be hundreds of pills, we would come down to the last day, and he would always have one pill left. It was always, like, perfectly measured out. Yeah. <laughs> you always nailing it. But... um Oh, 
we at? Well, we're into what we call the sad September. <laughs> and I don't want to sit here and spend all the time talking about every detail, but I'm I'm trying to explain some things that went went on so that if you've been through this same experience, you you can see where you're at in relation to Brat. Everybody goes on their own timetable and stuff, but I I'm trying to be as transparent as I can and let everyone know what you went through. Uh, anyway, sad, sad September. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't going very good. And, and we were just still giving Humera time to work. And Brett was seeing the doctor at least once a week. And sometimes we had been in there three different times, you know, to, to do a stool test, a blood test, to talk about this, change meds, just all this typical junk uh, of wasted time. And at this time, I'm working from home, so I was able to take a lot of time off work and just slip over to the doctor. But, man, it all adds up, right? You took a lot of time off work yourself. Yeah. You remember that, Brett? Mm-hmm. Always calling in and saying, I, I'm not feeling well or i got to take the day off. Or, yeah. You had to do short-term disability. Yeah, well, you're getting ahead of yourself. That's later. <laughs> All right. But eventually, yeah, Brett does do uh, short-term disability. Um, do you remember testing for trough levels, Brett? Do you remember them talking about that? I kind that? of forget about trough levels. So, like, when they give you Humira, they want to measure how long that stuff stays in your blood system. Yeah. And it, they call it a trough level because it starts out high, like on a wave, and it goes down low which is the bottom of the wave, the trough. And then when you get another shot, it should go back up, putting a whole bunch more in your bloodstream. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. And so they were checking Brett's trough levels and seeing that things aren't as good as they would like it to be. And, you know, I just, I'll tell you from a parent's perspective, uh, at this time I'm looking at my kid He's, he's taking Humira, Hydrocodone, Diclofenic two or three times a day, Budesidine, Mesalamine, all this inside of his body, and it's crazy. And I'm just thinking, man, he's taking all of these immunosuppressants, and he's going and working on this dirty old recycle line. And I know that's not safe, and I'm worried about him. It's just hard as a parent, I'm sure, even... You know, anybody's going through all of this. They they throw so many of these meds at you to try to stop you from bleeding, right? Yeah. Just try to help you out. Anyway, by the middle of September, after all these hard times are going on, he's back on a long taper. They just couldn't figure out what to do, and so they just put him on this other long taper starting at 80 milligrams, which is a lot. And... This is another big clue to me as a parent that that the doctors don't know what to do at this point and they're just guessing and they're just, you know, the only thing that works is prednisone. Like I I could, (laughs) I felt like I could be the doctor. I felt like I could go in there and say, how about we put them on prednisone because that's, and, and they'd say, no, 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 let's try this, let's try this. And then it always end up being that we're putting them on prednisone. I remember one visit in particular, we, 
Brett's regular doctor wasn't in. We met with this other lady that was the doctor there. And I was pretty frustrated with her. I was just like, you know, I remember asking her, I said, what are we doing here? And she said, we're trying to save your son's colon. And sometimes these doctors say stuff and it just sticks in your head. And the way she said it and everything, I was, I just felt like, oh, okay. <laughs> I remember driving home with Brett after and, and he was pretty down and depressed. And I just kept saying that phrase over and over again. And he's like, why do you keep saying that? <laughs> do you remember that day? Yeah. I just kept saying, we are trying to save your son's colon. Like, oh, she made me so mad um, because that's what I'm trying to do too. But we don't have any bright ideas, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so in order to save my colon, we just had to figure out a way how to get better completely. Right. Just had to find some hope. Man, thank you. That is, you always want to jump to the fun part. <laughs> But I meant drag us through the mud of how we got to that point. We're almost there, though. And then right. we could talk about the good times. Um, okay, we're well. almost through. Well, <laughs> we're not almost through. <laughs> we got to talk about Remicade, too. So get ready. So by mid-October, the pain's gone. We've been giving Humera a chance. And Medusa keeps doing its magic, right? Yeah. And by mid-November, the pain and the diarrhea all return. And so the doctor adds another medication called methyltrexate. Do you remember what we called that one? Um, meth. <laughs> That's right. We called it meth. So we say breath on meth. But it was, you know, methyltrexate. And we tried some other goofy foam enemas. You remember this stuff? Yeah. Not fun, right? No. No, and I was Brett's assistant on that, so I can testify that it's not fun. Um, December 3rd, he had another trip up the butt for a sigmoidoscopy, and there just weren't any great plans that were coming from this. It was just, let's, let's keep waiting and seeing what Humera does, and wait and see what happens when he comes off prednisone. And then we realized that... Uh, you know, just having this epiphany like, hey, Brett is going to be sick again when his taper ends. And this is in December. And we said, we know, we just know this is what's going to happen. We know, I mean, after I think anybody listening to this and looking at a calendar while I'm talking would be like, yeah, every time his prednisone ends, he gets sick again. Or we can call it sick or get a flare or whatever you want to call it. And so at this point, we, I had done a bunch of research, and I really believed that probiotics would be helpful. And so we started looking at some probiotic solutions. And the, the ones that we really liked that uh, my wife used, because she's a big fan of a product called doTERRA. And so we started using doTERRA probiotics. Do you remember those, Brent? Yeah, I remember that. That was a lot of pills. Yeah. <laughs> but I was 
pretty responsible knowing what pills I should take, track it on my calendar. That's right. So I would not forget. I know. That was, so there was like a prebiotic, a probiotic, and then there was these maintenance ones, and it was, it was a lot to manage, and it's very expensive. I think they were maybe like 600 bucks a month or something like that at one point that we were paying for those. So it was really expensive, but we thought, hey, man, if this will help Brett, we're going to do it because we, we need something that will help him, and it seems like probiotics are a good answer to the question. And this is us sort of mixing in our own solutions on top of what the doctor's saying. The doctor didn't care that we were doing that. He's like, go ahead, you know, waste your money. I don't care. <laughs> so we said, okay, let's try it. And it's really hard to say whether the probiotics helped or not because by the end of December, he had finished off his taper. That was another over 90 days of prednisone. And at that point, he lasted nine days before he was back on prednisone. So, happy new year, 2021, yeah. starting out another 50 milligram mm -hmm. taper of prednisone. And that's when we sort of were like, you know, these, these probiotics may have helped a little bit, but certainly wasn't enough that that's something he could just take and feel better and be better. And so that was another eye-opener for me that we've got to find something else. It can't just be probiotics. I think it's part of the solution, but it wasn't all coming together for me. And, and at this point, back in December, they're realizing Humira is not working. You know, yeah. We've got to try something else. And that's when we first started in January, the end of January, to start using Remicade. So, I don't know. Brett, you talk about Remicade. If you're explaining to somebody, what's that like? Um, it's like having all this medicine get into my body, get into my bloodstream. Yeah. So, I remember we had that nurse come over to our house. Since we hooked it up, since I had to get a comfy spot, just relax, watch TV, let it do its thing. That's right. So, and yeah, I wasn't too worried about it. They hook a needle into your arm, have, give you an infusion, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little different way of getting the meds than anything else we had done before, right? Right. It takes more time. They're usually here for a couple hours. We, have a, we had a nurse that was coming to the home and administering at home, which was really nice. And so... January he starts that. He's also still taking mesalamine, methyltrexate, and prednisone. <laughs> and just like Humira, start off with a high dose of Remicade. Yeah. And you know, and they're and in short succession of each other. And then you're supposed to go to where you're taking it every eight weeks, I think, every two months. And Again, this isn't working um, because at a certain point, the prednisone stops, and that's when uh, Brett would start having a flare again. And so the interesting thing was Brett kind of set a new record, um, 
February 24th to March 17th was the longest he had had no prednisone and no blood in his stool. So that was 21 days. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting because he's, he's going pretty well for about 12 days. And we're thinking Remicade is starting to do its thing. And then he starts having some pain, no blood or anything, but having pain for three days. And then he gets an infusion of Remicade, just happens to hit right in that gap. Yeah. And then the pain goes away. Everything is wonderful for like six more days. And we're like, oh, cool, this Remicade seems to be doing something. And then the, the bad news is, you guessed it, another flare-up. Yeah. back on prednisone so when we look back over all these calendars and everything this was like the longest period of time was 21 days of or three weeks of no without prednisone and with minor pain so we just kept doing this it was what we go through what we went through with Remicade was the same thing we went through with Humira where we the doctors want to give it a chance. You keep doing prednisone. You're coming off a taper. You come off the taper. It flares. And it uh, was very frustrating to us. It was pretty absurd, you could say. Yeah, absurd. Yeah, to keep doing the same thing and getting the same results, right? It was yeah. insane. And I, I don't blame anyone for it. I think people were doing the best they could, but... There just weren't a lot of options. And again, I think this is where I start saying there's got to be some other way of dealing with this, some other solution out there. And I think one of the things that really uh, really made me just say I got to find something else is it's one of the doctors was upset that, that another doctor had put Brett back on prednisone and I was I was like well what else are we supposed to do I mean what what other idea do you have what what else can you do and he said I'd let him bleed and I was like what why would you why would you say that and again that's another one of those things that a doctor says that, that you just never get out of your head he says, let him bleed. Yeah, well, you know, and it's not that much blood, and, and we'll monitor the iron. And I was like, he's in terrible pain, too. It's not just that blood is coming out, but, you know, he's on all these pain relievers and stuff. And he's like, well, we, we can't know if Remicade's working if you're taking prednisone at the same time. I was like, yeah, granted, but... When he comes off prednisone, it's not working. All of this leads up to our last episode we're going to do together, I hope. Our next episode where we talk about how we found a solution that's worked for Brett. Um, and that's the one we're super excited to share with everybody. And I hope this just gives everybody some context on the, the road that Brett has traveled. Not just saying, oh, I tried this, I tried that. Like, it really is a difficult thing to go through, isn't it, Brett? Yeah. It's been a hard time. 
Yeah. All this medicines, all this pain I've been put through, visiting the doctor multiple times. Yeah. Can you imagine, Brett, that there's people that have been dealing with this for like 30 years? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. I know some people have that same thing as I have or other stomach problems. Right. Visiting the doctors like multiple times year after year. Yeah, that's. I think about that and think about suffering for all of that time. And again, I think that's part of the reason why we want to do this podcast. I think about those people and go, man, there's a better way. And you can get through this and we can offer some gut hope, right? Yeah. So I have one last question for you, Brett. Yes. Do you have gut hope? Yes, I do. All right, good. We'll see you in the next episode. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.